Mary, did you know? Welcome to the Ponder a New Podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Myalis, and this Advent, these weeks leading up to Christmas, we are considering the theme of peace, because our world seems so crazy right now, and to understand what it means for Christ to be our peace and for there to be peace Yeah, in our hearts, in our families, in this world, in our communities, we're going to be thinking about the pieces of the manger. And this week, we're going to look at one of the key pieces, who is Mary. And we're going to take up that fundamental question, Mary, did you know? So let's get pondering. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know? In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Mary, did you know? I have so many pastor friends who this time of year put up memes on their social media feeds that criticize and condemn this song. It's as if it's kind of part of their Christmas ritual to uh, get a Christmas tree, (laughs) uh, put up an advent calendar, and then to post a meme roundly criticizing this song and all who would like it. So let's get down to it all. What did Mary know? I want to argue that there are some things that Mary knew that we would do well to learn from her, or at least be reminded by her. But there is some stuff that I don't think Mary knew, that where Mary had some some limited knowledge, uh, who, like the rest of us, will ultimately have to grieve and be overwhelmed and overcome by the mysteries of God. So what, what does... Mary know? Well, the first thing that Mary knows is that God has a heart for God, we might even say has a preference for those who are downtrodden and poor and marginalized. And this is something that 
Mary knows from the Old Testament. Again and again in the Psalms and especially in the prophets that uh, Mary would have heard when she went to synagogue and uh, the stories of the Old Testament that God has a heart for the people who are on the margins, the people who are disadvantaged and who are in real need. I, in fact, Jesus's first sermon will be to read from the prophet Isaiah, which very much pronounces uh, God's work on behalf of those who are in need. And even the beginning of the Beatitudes, Jesus's a powerful sermon in Matthew's gospel, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? So again and again, we see that in uh, both the Old and the New Testament, God has a heart for, for those who are in need. And I think it's worth us recognizing that this is not the automatic conclusion of those who simply observe life. Uh, the Greco-Roman society uh, was incredibly uh, skewed towards uh, celebrating the wealthy and the powerful and looking down on the poor. I, I mean, there, there just were such clear class divisions in that society. Uh, the whole letter of Paul to the Corinthians is the struggles in that church to be a cross-class uh, congregation. Um, you could even argue in Galatians this is happening. Again and again, there's ways in, um, in, in which society lauded and praised those who had resources and those who didn't were looked down upon. There's an author named Tom Holland. Tom Holland is his name. And he's somebody who, it's fascinating because he, he hasn't quite converted to Christianity but he's made his career out of writing books about the civilizing influence of Christianity on Greco-Roman society. And that so many of the virtues that we have within sort of our, our Christian or even post-Christian society, uh, even people who aren't Christian anymore, just take for granted things that come out of the 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 scriptural worldview that are not that would have never been reflected in Greco-Roman society, such as the virtues of humility, um, as well as again this extreme concern for the the poor and those who are in need. And so then I think it's worth us reflecting on our society today, and are we a society? that uh, behaves more like the Greco-Roman world, where we celebrate the haves and uh, look down upon the haves not, simply view them as, uh, although not slaves, sort of human chattel to just kind of do the dirty work for those that have resources, even almost criminalizing uh, poverty, or at least condemning it in, in our laws or in our hearts. Or are we more of a biblical society that recognizes that all have gifts and that even those who um, have fewer resources need to be praised and rejoiced in and also given access? A beautiful example of this I saw was actually in Tanzania. In that society, everybody is poor, uh, so there's, there's not as much of a, a shame around it. And uh, one of uh, the... The cool things is that at this worship service that I was at, um, for their third offering, <laughs> uh, it was actually an auction. 
And the reason why it was an auction was that way the people that didn't have money could donate things and that then somebody else could pay for it, and that could be that person's contribution to the church. And I was just struck there by the way in which this society um, acknowledged that there were differences among how much people had, um, but then sort of found the way for those in poverty to have honor and, um, and those who also were wealthy also to have honor and that they would be the ones who could sort of buy them the chicken or whatever else. So, yeah, so this is just a reflection of, of where you, yeah, w- how we can uh, learn from, from Mary's prophetic insight that God has a heart for the impoverished and um, what are ways that, that we can, as a society, work towards that end of, of really rejoicing in and accepting and making room for um, and living together a- across various classes, um, or just to deal with simply inequalities in our society. So much there to ponder that we can learn from uh, Mary. The second thing that Mary knows relates to how God both judges but also forgives in this world. And this is when I'll just start out with a question for your own reflection. Are you somebody who tends to have a sense of God where God is the one who judges, who um, thwarts the plans of the evil, who stymies our bad intentions, who, who humbles us to grow in us patience and other virtues? Uh, are you somebody, on the other hand, who tends to find it easier to accept a God who gives blessings, often undeserved, you know, words of grace and mercy, um, And my sense is that most of us probably lean one way where we sort of have an idea of God as sort of um, almost like a teddy bear in the sky or sort of a a harsh sort of iron-fisted judge. And Mary here uh, gets gets it that both are true in, in that God is the one whose care, often for the marginalized, means that God has to come in situations of judgment to thwart the plans of the proud, to scatter them in their thoughts, to um, humble those who, who have too much um, if they're not willing to have their hearts open to being uh, generous. Yet, yet uh, also, the, the same uh, God is the God who raises people up, who forgives, who shows mercy, who brings about new life, brings reconciliation in, in families and in the hearts of, of uh, beloved people. So Mary gets it that it's both. And what's really cool, actually, is that Mary, uh, if you look at all the actions that are happening, although this is the God who is willing to judge that actually far more often in this passage, in this Magnificat, God is the one who brings life, who brings new life, and and is raising up those who are downtrodden. And so it's this really um, great thing where Mary, again, acknowledges both, but leans in favor of the the God of, of mercy. You know, I was commenting with 
Mary's insight that God has sort of a preferential heart for those who are downtrodden and acknowledging um, that this is something that the world doesn't teach. And, and I think this is one area, too, in terms of God's judgment and mercy where our experiences in the world um, really shape how we understand God. And part of this is our childhood and our parental relationship. People who have um, parents who are really harshly cruel, um, or parents are really cruel, but really overly demanding, always judging, um, always undermining confidence in the child. Or parents who um, are just sort of never sort of judging, kind of spoiling. Um, If those are your childhood, it makes it really tough later to kind of understand a God who actually does both. And I think most of us, though, have had parents who had to both discipline and validate um, us. And I know as a parent, I have this terrifying experience of of both needing to um, chastise my children, but also fundamentally wanting to affirm them. And I think in the Magnificat, it's something like, you know, maybe 75% of the verbs are praise and 25% sort of bringing down. I don't know if that's uh, the right ratio for, uh, for humanity or for parenting. Um, but um, again, when we love our children, we have to teach them that uh, what they're doing is wrong for their sake, for the sake of others, <laughs> not for the sake of their siblings. Um, so, so I think there is a way in which our own experience here really can shape what we're even able to conceive of theologically um, or uh, psychologically, again, coming out of our own church and family backgrounds. But Mary here leads the way in terms of putting together this beautiful image of a God who, yes, will stymie the plans of the proud, but will also generously bless uh, from generation to generation people. The third thing that I think we can learn from Mary is that God is faithful. And Mary knows this from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, where again and again, um, in spite of the fact that the people do the wrong things, God is faithful to them and God uh, is merciful uh, to them. So God is faithful throughout the Old Testament in, in story after story over and against the hardness of the heart of the people. But also uh, in, in Mary's life, where um, she, she sees that uh, the angel has made good on what the angel has promised to both her and to Elizabeth. I think this is uh, something that, in terms of life, life doesn't always teach us that God is faithful. At least at first, I, the people of Israel obviously turned away and didn't, didn't always trust God. Um, you know, people go through long stretches where God doesn't seem to be doing what we want God to be doing. It's easy to ask whether God cares or God knows and to question God's faithfulness. Furthermore, in our own lives, at times when God doesn't seem to be present, when there seems to be real adversity, we can ask ourselves, is God a faithful God? My sense is uh, that for people that are passionate about their faith, they'd say, of course God's a faithful God. 
And they've had times in their lives where things haven't uh, gone right, yet they've seen God's hand delivering them. Other people who really struggle to believe, they probably have had a similar amount of good and bad, but they just interpret it differently. It's profound how much this interaction of Elizabeth and Mary together, where they build each other up and they help each other frame and tell their story, makes a profound difference. I'm, I'm becoming more convinced uh, that I, as I go on in ministry that everybody's got good and bad in their lives. But the power of the community is that it allows us to see what is happening in our life as evidence of God's faithfulness. And that on our own, we don't get there. We need that word from a friend. We need that word from Scripture that helps us again see, ah, yes, 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 God is a faithful God. The, um, the, the need for a friend before us to stand and for us to sort of have to almost proclaim to them uh, what we sense uh, and how we sense God moving in our lives. So there's something here about, I don't think life just teaches us that God is faithful. I think that's one that we, we learn from Scripture and we learn in community together. And my sense is I could probably do a whole podcast on that, and I probably will at some point. But for now, I, I want to say, look, Mary knew a lot. She knew that God cares about the downtrodden. And she knew that God is one whose care for the world will manifest itself in both judgment but also mercy. And that uh, finally, even if we don't think this is happening, that God is faithful and this will come to be. Okay, now we get to the limits of what Mary would have known. Now we get to the limits. Because, yeah, again, oh, Mary knows so much here. Um, but I do not think that Mary could have known about the cross or the resurrection. And I don't think she would have known about the cross because inasmuch as she could have surmised that anybody who does the will of God will ultimately, at some level, face opposition somewhere from sin, death, and the devil, and the world, and its empty promises. But I don't think any mother, as they're sitting there beholding their son, their newborn, or with the child in the womb, can conceive of the heinous death of a cross. We're even used to the cross because we talk about it as Christians, but to the first century people, this just was a hideous, cruel form of torture. I, I just don't think that any mother could have imagined this could have befallen her son, nor the particulars around it where the leaders of the people conspire against him, and he's beaten, and his betrayed by one of his own followers and denied by his, you know, his main follower. I, I just don't with a crown of thorns and, you know, mocked. I just don't think that Mary could have conceived of that. Um, nor that, that this death would have somehow had some significance for the universe in terms of bearing the sins of, his, of ours uh, into his body. And likewise, the resurrection. She knew God was faithful, but wow. Um, I don't think anybody, none of the disciples seem to have registered, in spite of the fact that Jesus told them again and again he was going to be raised from the dead. 
they were not picking that up. <laughs> that sounded metaphorical. That sounded like pie in the sky. Because when Jesus is raised, like they're, none of them are. They're all caught off guard. They're all flabbergasted. People don't come back from the dead. So they were in shock of, of this. And so I, I don't think there's any evidence in Scripture that Mary knew that her son was going to be raised from the dead. But here, here again, Mary uh, may not be able to get there, but she points us in the right direction. For you see, the one who, the one who is on and has a heart for the downtrodden and the outcast becomes, becomes the outcast for us on the cross. And the God who works judgment and mercy at the same time is the one whose hands are outstretched as God judges the world in Jesus Christ. But then God also, in Jesus Christ, also forgives the world. And then uh, finally God's faithfulness is revealed, a faithfulness that is greater than our sin, but also than the powers of death as Jesus Christ is raised to new life. Could Mary have known all of that? No, but the God who Mary knew, this in retrospect seems like the logical, if not mystical, progression of thought. So I think the song, Mary, Did You Know, invites us into that intimate reflection of holding Jesus and pondering what his life would have been. I think this, this is a beautiful song that invites us into that, that speculation, but really that mysterious contemplation. And might you too, this, this season, as we long for peace, can consider your own reflection on God's care for this world. Yes, God's judgment, but ultimately God's mercy and God's faithfulness in Jesus Christ for you and for this world.